Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, this is a scripture we'll look at all year long because it is the theme by which we are ministering the word of God this whole year. Uh, You know that the Lord has spoke to us that it is time for us as children of God to reign in life. And that's not when we go to heaven, that's right now. And so we're going to have to get revelation in our minds of who we are in Christ because if we do not know who we are in Christ, we will not live as Christ intended while we are on the earth. And so um, we need to learn these things. And we learned this, or we saw this passage of Scripture, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when we were born again, we have already been put in a seat of authority for thrones are in kingdoms, not religions. And right now, God, spiritually speaking, has already positioned you in the seat of authority by which he himself makes final decisions. And if we'll remain seated in that place, then we can be like him in the earth. For he said, the works that I do, even greater works will you do, which means all of us can do the works of Jesus because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. But we must remain in the seat that Jesus is in. We do not need to try to develop our own throne. We We don't need to come out of that seat and try to stand on our own or determine how to do things on our own because with that, there is no authority. But if we'll stay seated in Christ, then we will reign now, even when circumstances tell us that we won't because ultimately, God's word prevails, always. It never fails to produce, ever. The only way it does not is if you lack belief. Or if you have a belief that is really a tradition and in turn then makes God's word null or no effect in your life. It doesn't make it null or no effect. It's not like your lack of believing God to heal keeps him from healing me when I believe that he will heal me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it only makes it null and void in your personal life, but not in the life of those who believe. Because what did Jesus say? All things are possible with him who believes. Now again, all things are not all things. They're all things to him who believes and believing means you must have heard God's will and word concerning it. So the all things are connected to the word that brought the belief in the first place. Not just, well, I decided today I want this to happen and God said all things and this is the thing I thought of so he's going to have to make it happen because I believe he will. No. It doesn't work like that. He's not your servant. All right. Just wanted to throw that out there. All right. So we want to stay seated. And then we brought out this thing. We're dealing with the subject of domain, um, the domain of God, right? King domain, which is where, put that together, that's where we get the word kingdom from. And we saw over in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says, for by him all things were created. So God created all things. We saw in Genesis, he created the heavens and the earth. Uh, We begin to get a little bit of history of God's creation. But of the heavens and the earth, it says, by him all things were created, both in the heavens, and that's just not one. There's more than one heaven. 
both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. And guess what? Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all have been created through him and for him. So we saw last week that God has no problem with allowing you to operate in authority because he himself has established domain or the ability for some part of his creation to exercise dominion. We see that Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, he says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Now, God, this is a great joy for him to give you something. But here's the question that we have to you know, ask ourselves is that God wants to give us something, which then means we must not possess it. So there's something we don't possess that God has a great joy to want to give us. Are you hearing me? So you have to conclude just because God created everything doesn't mean you actually have access. There's something that is required in order for him to give it. Now, just because the father has chosen gladly to give it to you, he's created conditions for you to receive it. The first condition in order for you to receive the kingdom is that you must be born again. That is a condition. Just because you're breathing in your skin suit does not give you a right to the kingdom. Now that doesn't mean his kingdom can't flow over into your life or somebody can't bring that kingdom and, and, and allow you to experience some of its benefits, but as far as you to access it personally and it, to be a part of your life, the condition exists that you must believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost. You must repent of your rebellion. You must acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, which is not a religious word. It is a government term. It means supreme and authority. He is supreme and authority of your life. His word is your final say. Amen. And when you meet that condition with all your heart, not a confession absent from your heart, because he says they call me Lord, they confess me, but their heart is far from me. You got to have both. You got to believe these things. I mean, you got to be firmly persuaded that this is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, that's condition. No man comes to the Father but through me. And when we meet the condition of confession of faith that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and Lord of our personal lives, then the Bible says we become a new creature. What? In Christ, in the Messiah, in the King, seated on the throne with him. And now we can begin to reign in this life. And the kingdom has been made accessible for us. And we can operate in it. Okay? And so we see that the Father wants to give this kingdom to us, but we must meet the condition in order to receive it. We know there is another realm by which humanity lives and it's under another authority. And we saw over in Luke chapter four, verses five to seven, it says, and he led, this is the devil, 
led him up, that's Jesus, and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I find it very interesting that the devil, when he tempts Jesus, that he shows him kingdoms and never religions. He never tries to give him an alternative of another type of religion. And we are arguing and fighting with people over religion, trying to tell them our God's better than their God, when this isn't about a religion in the first place. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this what? Domain. So the devil knows it's about territory. It's about territory. I will give you all this domain. So again, if he has it to give, then he has it by right of possession. Now, how did he receive it? Look what it says. He said, I'll give you all this domain and its glory for it has been what? Hand it over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Where did he receive this domain from? From Adam. When Adam ate the fruit, he gave the dominion that God gave his man Adam. According to Genesis 1.26, the devil took that domain. He started to govern that particular uh, realm of influence or authority. He says, therefore, if you worship before me again, even the devil created a condition. This is the condition required for me to give you the domain. <laughs> it shall be yours. The Lord just knew there was another condition. That he could die of his own free will, never have sinned, but take on sin, and in order, in, in, in essence, pay the debt of sin so that all who call on him can be born again, and Jesus takes the dominion back from him without his permission. He legally takes it back. Hallelujah. The word domain means this. It means jurisdiction. It, um, it means the territory or sphere of activity over which the legal authority of a court, are you hearing me, um, or other institution extends. So again, the devil has a domain where he, listen, he has legal authority. Legal. You've got to understand the Bible has legalities about it. Not legalism that religion has taught. But legalities. Because when you read the Bible, there is a court in heaven. There is a judgment seat for those who've made Jesus Lord. And there is a great white throne judgment for those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And they are legal courts that will try all of humanity. And there are records in books recording everything going on in all humans' lives today. Period. So know that the enemy has a legal right to individuals. But Jesus, through the Father, has created an addendum, an amendment, a provision that allows man to get back in his original intent. He did not eliminate. He had to create an amendment. Just like with Daniel, 
Daniel, it, the king did not change that if you prayed to some other God than the one he put up, that you'd be thrown into the uh, lion's den. He could not stop that, and neither could the king legally. So he had to put Daniel in the pit. But God had an amendment because he knew it was wrong. Nowhere did it say an angel couldn't go down and shut the lion's mouth and keep him, it from eating him. It just meant legally he had to go in the pit. It didn't say legally he had to be eaten. The assumption legally was when you throw them into the lion's den, they die. <laughs> but if the lions don't eat, then he doesn't die. So the next day, he's still alive. Hallelujah. Same thing with Mordecai. When Haman wrote the, the edict on the king's domain, his territory, his jurisdiction, that Jews were going to die after they hung Haman on a, on a noose, the law was still in effect, and they had to do an amendment and say Jewish people then, the nation of Israel, could actually defend themselves on that day, and it wouldn't be considered murder for them to defend themselves. And they routed there any. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Well, when the devil stole, took the dominion from Adam in the garden, he became the God of this world, and he has a lot of kids. And his kids um, are liars. They're rebellious. Are you hearing me? So the kingdom domain principle is this. The domain of a king is the territory over which he exercises authority, control, and dominion, which is, again is where we get the word kingdom or king domain. Now turn over to Acts chapter 26 because, again, I want to help you with the gospel. <laughs> I want to help you with the gospel because, again, the church, unfortunately, as a whole, has reduced the gospel to just one little tree and has kept out so much of God's intent. And as a result, has handicapped children of God severely. Severely. Paul is given an account of his um, road to Damascus ex uh, conversation with the Lord. And he begins to tell the king about this. And if you have a red letter Bible, this is actually red letter writing. So he's quoting Jesus, okay, when he encountered him. And he said, and I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. Now look, Jesus is going to tell the man <laughs> what the gospel is. Are you hearing what? When we need to preach the gospel, the gospel of Jesus. Well, what was Jesus' gospel? Most don't know Jesus' gospel. They don't even know the good news Jesus preached. He said, but get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Why is he sending them? Verse 18. Notice the first thing he wants them to hear. I'm sending you to the, to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may what? Turn from darkness to light and from what? The dominion of Satan to God. 
that they may receive forgiveness of sin. So the forgiveness of sin is not even communicated until he establishes a dominion. We are not even giving the world the correct message by saying you need God to forgive you of your sins, but they don't understand why that is. What's the implication? What is the sin I'm doing? What's the big deal anyway? When Paul's presentation is, you know what the big deal is? The big deal is, is that you are in a domain. You are governed and under the authority of a tyrannical ruler who his only agenda is to kill, steal, and destroy you. He does not want you to discover God's really original purpose of why you were created in the first place. He has you under his power. He has you under his control. He has you under his nation. He has you in his authority. And you need to leave that authority and get over into the authority of God. There is a way to get out of this authority and get out of this oppression and get over unto the authority of God where you'll actually get set free. Now, in order for, to, for you to get into this kingdom, you're going to have to be forgiven of your sin. But you have to define sin. And we're going to define sin today. And an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So not only do you receive forgiveness, but the minute forgiveness is applied and you learn how not to sin, shut up, how not to sin, then you'll start accessing an inheritance through a sanctification process. Because the minute you've been made righteous in Christ, now you are to be sanctified by the washing of the water of the word. So you always respond to the word that actually now has dominion in your life, actually has the authority of your life. And you don't do the word that is not with God, which is actually sin. See, we've relegated sin to just, you know, the Ten Commandments. When sin, in the, in the New Covenant, James says, he who knows what to do and doesn't do it, it's sin. No, we don't like to talk about sin in the church. Why? Because we don't want to offend anybody. We're afraid that the lost won't get saved if we tell them what's their problem. You know what? No other profession does this, though. A doctor doesn't say, well, I'm afraid to offend them if I tell them they have cancer. I'm just not going to do it. You know what? I checked your blood. It looks great. You know what? Your heart's strong. You know what? We ran some tests and cardiovascularly, you know, you're doing really good. You know what? You're not overweight. You're, you're, you're doing fine. Yet cancer's in their body. You put your child into sports. And that coach would say, you're going to have to work on this. Work. You know what? You're doing good. You know what you are? You're a real encourager. And we like that you, you know, are encouraging. But you ain't, ain't helping them improve their weaknesses. Because I don't want to offend them. At the job. 
the manager. You know what? We're just glad you come to work every day. Because I don't want to tell them that they keep messing up and costing the company hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't want to offend them. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? I mean, we have no problem with that. Politically, we don't have problem with one side telling us everything wrong with the other side. Because if you believe that side, you're like, that's right, they're lying. They're, and you're not offended that they are saying things that could be offensive. Because you believe what they're saying is truth, and if those other people would believe what you believe, and they believe, then we could all be all right. And actually get in unity. Okay. But if the church comes in and says, now that is against God's word. Now, brother, I came to be encouraged. I came to encourage you to get out of the place that the devil will have authority. I've come to help you get free. Quit being satisfied with this idea that, you know, when I die, I go to heaven. Instead of saying, look, I want heaven to come to me right now. I want what Jesus said when I pray that heaven can come to earth through my life because I do his word. Because honestly, if we would exercise as the children of God and walk in the dominion that God's given us now, the world would say, we need your government. And we're tired of looking to man's because man's always fails us. Can I get an amen? amen? So he goes on and... Um, um, you know, communicates that the first thing you're going to show them is that they need to get out of one dominion and get into another. And in order to get out of one dominion to the other, the forgiveness of sin is going to have to take place. You understand the mo second most dangerous word in a kingdom is rebellion. The most dangerous word in the kingdom, and this is tough for us in the United States, is independence. See, in the body of Christ, we cannot be independent. But the church in the United States looks that way. Well, you know, you don't tell me what to do. I don't have to come to church when I don't want to. I mean, I can do what I want. I mean, I'm right with God. Okay. No, you're independent and you're in trouble. You're, you're moving to the next one, the form of rebellion. Because now you are an individual. You don't lose your individuality. But you do lose your independence because you are now fully dependent not only on God, but the body of Christ. But the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So we don't want to be in rebellion. You hear what I'm saying? All right, 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 to 10. I'm going to read out the New American Standard, and then I'm going to jump down into the Passion Translation. 1 John 3, 4 to 10 says this, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. In him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who was born of God practices sin 
because his seed abides in him, he can, he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, by this, by this, by this, by this, not by Allah Jesus. I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me. By this consistent outward behavior that communicates this inward change. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. You got people at work that come to you and you're like, I didn't even know they were saved. I started talking to them, witnessing them about Jesus, and they're like, they got right. I was like shocked. But you know what? Who am I to judge? Now, you're not judging them, but you can say, bro, it's kind of obvious that maybe you're not a child of God. Because you really cannot do this and be okay with it. Do not be deceived, the Bible says. Isn't that what it says? He said, make sure no one what? Well, now you understand Jesus covered me with the blood. You know, his grace has got me. You know, I don't have to do anything. You know, I just go, you know, and if I blow, you know, I don't even think about it because God's love's there. Let no one deceive you when they give you that kind of garbage. Because they're acting like a realm that they are supposed to be delivered from. Yeah, it's good. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his. What? I told you, you're just not obligated to the head of the church. You're fully dependent on Jesus and the body of Christ as you are an individual within it. Church should not be an option for you. It's your life. All right, the Passion says it this way. Anyone who indulges in sin lives in moral anarchy. (laughs) This is great. I love that because this is real. This is the clarity of clarity. Sin is doing a word that is in rebellion or disobedience to God. Let me tell you the territory that Satan has dominion over. It's the territory of lies, or we could say it this way, it is the territory that rebels against the truth. The dominion that God holds is the territory of truth. And as long as you stay in truth... You are under his rulership. But the minute you come out of truth, you're stepping over into a place where there's another ruler. The devil was able to pull, you're going to see this, pull man out of God's dominion by getting him to have moral anarchy. Anyone who indulges in sin lives in moral anarchy. For the definition of sin is breaking God's law. Now, again, we have a hard time with this because religion has taught us, you know, that the law of God, we're not under the law, we're not under the law, we're not under the law. The reality is we are under the law. We are under the law of, of, of spirit, 
we are under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We are not under the law of sin and death because now we're under the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus because Christ is in us and we can hear God now and we can actually obey him and anything God says is law because he's a king. The reason why men could not live according to the law is because their nature was corrupt. And even though they tried, their nature hindered them. And they were basically saying, I'm doing your word, you got to accept me. But they weren't doing it as it was intended, which means they failed at it. So no one actually kept the law. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus, on the other hand, kept the law and fulfilled it. All right, let's go on. And you know, without a doubt, that Jesus was revealed to eradicate sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in union with him will not sin. But the one who continues, that's why you cannot say, well, I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace. That is, the, that is doctrines of demons. That's doctrines of demons. You are a born-again believer with a brand-new nature who has capacity to be able to believe God, obey God, and actually walk in righteousness. Nowhere in the world does the Bible say that God's children are just going to run around in sin, but thank God he covered them with his blood. Nowhere in Scripture. That is lazy believers who do not want to get control of their flesh, who are staying under the uh, dominion of the devil and not rising up into the righteousness of God in Christ. They are failing to see who they've become. So he goes on and says, but the one who continues sinning hasn't seen him with discernment or know him by intimate experience. Now, I like that because here's the thing. A lot of us can get born again, but because we don't get trained in righteousness, as Hebrews says, we can't even discern good or evil. And we'll make excuses to live fleshly. And just because God's merciful in those moments doesn't mean he's pleased. Delightfully, loved children, don't let anyone divert you from this truth. The person who keeps doing what is right proves that he is righteous before God, even as the Messiah is righteous. But the one who indulges in a sinful life is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Really what it's saying is if you are born again and you're indulging in rebellious activity by doing the works of the flesh, then you are submitting yourself back to a territory you've been delivered from. And then when trouble comes at such a rate and you blame God, God's like, why are you over there in his land? Why are you operating according to his laws? The reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who is truly God's child will refuse to keep sinning because God's seed remains with him and he is unable to continue sinning because he has been fathered by God himself. Here is how God's children can be clearly distinguished from the children of the evil one. Anyone who does not demonstrate righteousness and show love to fellow believers is not living with God as his source. And make no mistake it, I love my brother enough that I'll tell him he's in sin. I'll love my brother enough to not fellowship with him if he continues to sin and doesn't want to repent from it and not coddle his flesh. All right, well, hallelujah. So, with that being said, we go over to John chapter 8, verse 44. Look what 
the Lord said. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. Now, from the beginning, we understand the beginning is the beginning of the book. This is not the beginning of his existence, because at the beginning of his existence, he was good. God created only good things. But somewhere along the line, he got into sin. But in the beginning of the book, we're introduced to him in chapter 3. Are you hearing me? He is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So what is a lie? It is the um, opposite of truth. It is to manipulate or to try to change truth so that you don't obey it. Which brings us to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God... God didn't know what God says, because when God speaks, he only speaks what? Truth. So the territory by which God has dominion is the territory of truth. And life exists there. So he needs to know what has truth said. He says, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you'll die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Now, remember, when God came and started talking to the woman, she said, I was deceived. And John, 1 John's gospel says, don't be deceived. So how does the devil deceive you? He tries to convince you that God's truth really isn't applicable in this situation. And you can actually act and behave differently. And the minute you do that, you get in his domain. He cannot touch you. He cannot touch you when you're in God's domain, which is actually your domain in Christ Jesus. But the minute you rebel... then you're giving him authorization to show. This is why you got to be quick to repent. Lord, forgive me for taking that thought act. Shut up. You hear what I'm saying? Because there was an, listen, we don't exist without authority. There is no time in creation that authority doesn't exist. All of God's creation was created in the position of submission. But by submitting to his authority, it actually gives us authority. This is why the centurion, when he saw Jesus, the first thing he says to Jesus, he said, Jesus, my servant is sick to the point of death. Would you come heal me? Because I'm a man like you. I identify with you. Well, how do I identify? I'm a man under authority. And then a man in authority. He didn't identify with Jesus' authority he had over something. He identified with Jesus' authority under something. He said, you submitted to somebody, and because of that, then your authority carries in whatever you're over. 
Because when I tell my servant to do it, he does it. When I tell him to come, he comes. When I say whatever, you know, this, it gets, it, it happens. And Jesus said, I've not seen such great faith. And what is faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God, meaning this guy wants to hear the truth of my word, the king. He'll believe it at a word. Just speak the word only. Because I believe you. And no other thought will I take. Which means I'm not going to get in rebellion to you and to your kingdom. I'm submitted to it. So let me just say it this way. I said this to an individual one time who was having some problems. I said, listen, you might as well just go ahead and submit to God. Voluntarily, man, do it. I said, because I'm telling you right now, if you don't, in life, somewhere along the line, if you don't change your behavior, you're going to be forced into submission. You either can take it voluntarily or involuntarily. Well, unfortunately, they got in trouble with authority. And you know what the authority did? The authority told him when to wake up, what clothes to wear, what food to eat, when they could go outside and exercise. It was forced submission. We have the opportunity to freely say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Because all who don't say yes, Lord, there will be a forced submission. Depart from me, for I never knew you. I cast you into the lake of fire, which is the second death. That's what you wanted. That's what you get. And I have the final say. It's over now. You're in rebellion to my kingdom. You never would get it right. Why would we want to do the bidding of the devil? Are you hearing what I'm saying? James chapter 1, verse 13 to uh, 15. Let me try to wrap this up as fast as we can. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, <laughs> I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth what? Death. This is why the devil tempted Jesus. Because he wanted Jesus to identify with his flesh. If he can get him to identify with his flesh and begin to act according to his flesh and indulge in his flesh, the lusts of his flesh, then eventually he could create sin in Jesus. But Jesus did not receive the temptation. In essence, he did not obey the word of the God of this world and the lies he was selling. He wasn't deceived by it. Oh, now you know God loves you. Just throw yourself down, bro. And the angels... I mean, how many people are like, well, you know, we're like tempting God. We're tempting God. We're being deceived all the time because we used to be attached to a thing that talked to us. And it still speaks. And if we don't learn to get that voice out of our head, we can be born again, but still be subject to the devil. Although he literally actually has no authority over our lives. And we deceive ourselves of thinking we're free, but we're not. 
Because the scripture does not support a lifestyle that does not stay or remain with truth. Are you hearing me? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21, then we'll jump down to verse 24. 19 to 21, we'll jump down to verse 24. What is this problem? Where is the territory by which the devil has this domain that we are delivered from if we are children of God? And if we're children of God, then we should not be doing. And it's never acceptable for you to say, that's okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I was just listening to one of Paul's letters, and he was saying, now listen, don't let nobody tell you, don't do this, don't do that, right? But then the very next chapter, he says, now don't do this and don't do that. <laughs> Read it. Because again, what you, everyone wants to do is be tree-focused. Oh, I just saw all this, and this lets me do what I want to do. Not reading the whole context of the Bible and staying in context. Don't be telling me to keep this and keep that. Yet, you need to keep not murdering somebody. We still keep that. <laughs> he said, no murderers make it to the kingdom. When I was born again, I killed people. You know, I mean, they were wrong. I'm out under the blood. And everybody's like, that's foolishness. Really? Well, I mean, what about these things? He said, now, the doings or practices, key word now, this ain't like, you found yourself doing it, you're like, man, I repent. You don't do it, you blew it. You had a bad moment, or you weren't in the word enough. You weren't around truth enough. You let yourself get separated from the church. You got weak in your flesh. All of a sudden, you did something. Now you got to repent, and you got to fill yourself back up with the truth, and God to forgive you because this ain't where you live. But now if you're living here and saying, yeah, but I got Jesus, you're deceived. He said, now the doings, practices of the flesh are clear, obvious, it's obvious. So don't come to me and tell me it ain't obvious. It will be obvious you're deceived if you want to argue with me about doing these things and think you're right with God. He says they are immoral. They, they are, uh, um, what is that word? Immortality. Immorality, thank you. Impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill-tempered, selfish divisions, dissension, party spirit, factions, sex with, uh, with particular opinions. Well, let me tell you what I think. I don't give a rip about what you think. What does the Bible say? Heresies, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature with its passions and appetites and desires. See, I'm in Christ. I've crucified that. In essence, it has no dominion over me anymore. It can't tell me and make me. I actually have power over it. And you're going to learn this next week of what you got power over because it's very important in this domain principle of the kingdom that it's time for us to rise up as kings of the earth and quit being subject to things that God has delivered us from. But let me read this in the Passion Translations because it break it down a little bit better because a lot of times you read through the works of the flesh and it's very hard. It says it this way. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. 
sexual immorality. Man, I'm sleeping with so-and-so, but we love God. Are you married? No, but God owes my heart. God knows you in sin. God knows you're under the dominion of the devil. And don't think just because you didn't drop dead that God's happy, that you came in and worshiped him, that you're reading his Bible. Because I know what the Holy Ghost is saying. Now, if you're going to be with this guy like this, you're going to have to go ahead and get married. But we got believers shacking up all the time. Hallelujah. I got to close, man. I got to close. Okay, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts. Oh, my, my head's full of lustful thoughts. Why? You don't know who you are if they are. Because if you know who you are, you would take those thoughts captive and you would not let them just run around freely like they own you because they don't own you because you've been pulled in another domain. Pornography. Chasing after things instead of God. Now look, Pastor, you know I'm busy. You know I got a lot of work. You know I, we got to, what you chasing after? Well, now God loves me. I read the Bible every day, Pastor. Well, the Bible would tell you get to church. The Bible would tell you to commit to the other believers. The Bible would say, and you don't want to read that because you want to chase after other things instead of God. Manipulating others, and those that are manipulating others are those who are saying, now listen, don't, I know, now Pastor, he's pretty intense over there at Anchorage Church. You know, I'm like, they like, you got to live a certain way, but you know, our God is so, you're manipulating others. You're manipulating others. Because you want to do your lustful stuff, which is in a different realm, instead of saying, you know what, we're better than this. We've been delivered from this. Hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments. Boy, if that ain't a husband-wife day, I don't know what is. <laughs> senseless arguments. We argue and argue and like. So, uh, husbands, I need you to say, this is senseless. Yeah. You need to humble yourself and say, I'm going to resolve this. I'm going to walk in love in this deal. I'm going to find, I'm going to get to a place that's right. I am not going into senseless arguments. I'm not going to argue with you. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm not going to get aggravated. I understand we're having a moment. I feel it too, but I'm going to put it down. Amen. Lead. Why don't you go ahead and lead? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> okay. Temper tantrums. I know. Temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. But I just can't believe what Pastor Earl says. Well, you love your own opinions. Because I'm not preaching my opinion. Okay. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder. Now I want to hit this murder real quick, and then I'm going to press on. Murder is when you call someone to do something other than God's word. Now, you say, that is not true. Murder is when you take someone's life. Really? Adam, Adam is hearing the serpent talk to Eve, and the serpent says, you're not going to die. Just eat it. You'll be like God. She eats. He eats. They what? They don't quit breathing. 
He said he was a murderer from the beginning. He caused the death of Adam and Eve. And you want to get people to do your compromised life and say you're under the blood, you're a murderer. You need to repent. You may not have pulled out a knife or a gun, but you're running the same vein. You're trying to cut them off from truth. Uncontrolled addiction, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom... Go ahead, do this. Go ahead, do it. I, I watch everybody because if you can't do it when I'm doing this, then that means you're going to have a real hard time with doing it when God asks you to do something. If you can't do something silly like this in obedience, then you're never going to do God. Use their freedom, for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. Verse 24, and I'm going to close with this. I had another passage of scripture, but I'll let Pastor Marcy pick it up next week. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Jesus. See, belonging to Christ by grace through faith removes you from the domain of the devil and no longer has authority over you. Let's pray. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Thank you.